At MasterCard, we believe that women-owned small businesses are uniquely inspiring. They're pillars of the community and have a measurable impact on the people within them. It's their secret sauce. We are deeply committed to helping address the daily challenges of all Canadian small businesses by putting our technology, cybersecurity solutions, digital resources, and partnerships to work for you every day. Discover them today at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. MasterCard, start something priceless. At Scotiabank, we know how important thriving businesses are for the strength of our economy. Our team of experienced advisors across the country can provide you with tailored advice, leading products, and valuable resources to help achieve all your financial goals. We're here for every future. Let's get started today. Visit us at scotiabank.com slash smallbusiness. The last three years have been tough on Canadian entrepreneurs. That's why we are so excited to announce the 2023 Startup Canada Tour, a five-stop national opportunity to connect entrepreneurs across Canada. Join us for keynotes, panels, and practical workshops, an exhibitor zone featuring Canada's support organizations, speed mentoring in our Ask the Expert lounge, and an opportunity to compete in on-site pop-up pitches. We will be in Whitehorse on April 25th, Halifax on May 2nd, Vancouver on May 11th, Calgary on September 28th, and stay tuned for details on our final stop in Ontario. Want a free pass? Use code PODCAST at checkout. Learn more and get tickets now for the closest stop near you at startupcanadatour.ca. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday to hear new stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, everyone. This is Kayla Isabel, CEO of Startup Canada. In this episode, Rick and David share the importance of building accessible digital spaces for everyone to use. At Startup Canada, we strive to create accessible spaces in both our in-person and virtual work. Through consultations with David, we know that there are areas where we can improve the accessibility of our website, and we'll be making changes to improve all of our digital spaces so they are accessible to everyone. This is a long-term initiative, and we are committed to carrying it out across our entire team. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're excited to speak with David Best, entrepreneur and founder of Best Consulting Accessible Digital Communications in Windsor, Ontario. David also has his own podcast, Triple Vision, about blindness in Canada, available on all major podcast platforms. David Best is persistent in seeking out best practices for more accessible businesses. At the age of five, he developed glaucoma, and by age 20, he lost all of his vision. David believes people with disabilities can achieve a high-quality and satisfying life. In 1978, he became the first blind individual to graduate with a Bachelor's of Science in Computer Science at Western University. While he was there, he established the first Canadian Braille facility and Digital Information Research Centre for people experiencing vision loss. 
David also enjoys hiking and canoeing in Northern Ontario and the Canadian Rockies. David has worked with Air Canada as a systems application designer, and he spent years at IBM immersed in software development, technical support, and product design, and actively supporting the IBM accessibility team. David formed BEST Consulting, which stands for Business and Educational Services in Technology, to meet the growing demand for accessibility employment issues and creates education and accommodation strategies for businesses and nonprofits. David, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. The way we uh, generally get things started here at the Start of Canada podcast is that we just ask, what's sort of the top piece of advice that you hope entrepreneurs listening will take away from our conversation today? Oh, boy. I would say, don't fall victim to the debilitating condition of willful blindness. Willful blindness. You know, arrogant leaders over, over the years have been at... Um, well, arrogant leaders that don't understand their business proposition have created chaos in the market. And I guess I should explain what I mean by falling victim to willful blindness. And let me ask you, are you aging? <laughs> Very rapidly. Are you, are, are, can you guarantee that you'll never be fall to uh, sickness, illness, COVID, or any kind of sickness? Uh, not anymore. Not anymore. Can you guarantee that you'll never, ever have a temporary limitation, such as a broken arm? Um, <laughs> if fast performance is no indicator. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, finally, can, can you guarantee that you'll never be in a situation or, or an environment where you can't perform under your normal circumstances, such as, you know, trying to talk to someone on a phone in a no noisy restaurant or trying to get to work and you're stuck behind a traffic jam. You know, these are all human conditions. And what we fail to understand, at least what leaders fail to understand, is that we all have some sort of limitation. And I have to say that um, the worst condition is willful blindness. You know, leaders that are in um, denial. And in, in other words, you know, they don't understand the measurement of the, the culture of their organization. You know, we talk a lot about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but if they don't understand their culture, we, we have a state, um, where the business really is going to struggle. Can you give me an example of, you know, real or metaphorical of willful blindness? Um, how might I recognize that in my own behavior? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a measurement, okay? You want to measure your culture of your organization. And really, it's the gap between leadership, accessibility, understanding, and the implementation of management understanding of accessibility. So we have a gap where a lot of times leaders, and, and we get this not only in private business, but in government, where our leaders talk about diversity and inclusion. They talk about all the, the Ontario disability laws, but they never really connect with management. And the management people say, 
we don't have the resources, we don't have the skills, we don't have the understanding, we don't have the time. And so what happens is nothing gets done. And this type of, um, well, I guess I would call arrogant culture happens far too often in our society today. And I think a good example of that would be about 20 years ago when the dot-com bubble burst and we saw large successful companies like Nortel and Blockbuster just crumble. And it was because of cultural arrogance and business case studies show that attitude is the number one barrier in our lives today, whether it's a disability or an entrepreneur. That's really interesting. And I guess a a tremendous um, business world application of willful blindness was Blockbuster turning down a chance to buy Netflix for what, a billion dollars or something? (laughs) And instead they spent that much money closing up dollar stores. That's right. What a shame. Um, Can you tell me a little bit, we'll get back to you in a minute, but um, can you tell me a little bit, do you think that's changing at all now? Are we seeing signs of progress? And I ask that because I was actually on a, I was, I was actually sort of a guest member of, a, of, of an Ontario government commission um, working on uh, better regulations and, and legislation regarding uh, employment of people with disabilities probably five or six years ago now, because it was felt that mm. with, the, uh, with the talent shortage that we have in Ontario, that um, business needs to uh, get up to speed. The government needs, we all need to uh, rally all the talent we can get. And, uh, and, and the, uh, the people with disabilities have, have often been overlooked as uh, suppliers of talent to business. And, and that for its own good, business had to get smarter about this. So have we seen any of that change or was that just uh, theory? Sadly, the digital divide has created a wider gap between leadership and management. Um, we, we see situations where the digital divide has created major problems for a lot of people with disabilities, particularly those who have vision loss. The people that are acting as mentors and advisors for the entrepreneurs that will get the funding haven't even got training or skills in in guiding them in AOD legislation. What does it mean to have an accessible website? What does it mean to have um, procurement understanding that when you buy something for your company, whether it's an accounting package, human resources, it has to meet Ontario standards. And so to answer your question, no, I think the digital divide has created more problems and we're struggling to keep up with this technology revolution. And I really think many of our leaders, unfortunately, are in denial and they need to take time to um, really understand the challenges management is having in implementing these programs. All right, we're, we're gonna get on it. And I think that's uh, pretty much a challenge to everybody who's listening. Yes. So thank you for that. Let's get back to you, David Best. Take us back to the beginning of your career and, 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 and the sort of work you did for the big companies and then how that turned into uh, your own business. 
Right. Um, well, let's go right back to when I was five years old. I developed glaucoma and I, I went through school struggling with, with low vision. When I, came, when I was about 20, I lost all of my vision. I, I went to university and, you know, social workers at the time said I should go into law or, or teaching because I had those skills. But after the first year of university, I switched over to computer science because I fell in love with the technology. You know, the digital revolution was just starting out at that time. And, you know, things that you take for granted today, like punch um, cards, um, <laughs> optical character recognition, you know, GPS tracking, uh, voice, you know, speech uh, to, to um, text to speech voice. I was using those things back in the late 70s. They were very primitive, but I was actually using those. And so one thing I usually tell business owner is keep your eye on the technology that disabled people are using because that's the mainstream in the future. Today, you know, we use optical character recognition, barcodes all over the place. We use facial recognition. You know, even the the phone, the smartphones um, have have everybody uses them you know it's not it's not just for people with disabilities and i i think the key thing that i found uh over my career as i said earlier i struggled with trying to get support uh in when i was with ibm you know in the 1980s everything was text-based but then in the 1990s everything came crashing down because the companies like Microsoft and IBM came up with graphic user interface. And all of a sudden I couldn't use the computer. So fortunately I got into mainframe side of things because I had networking background. But throughout that time in problem solving, I got a lot of calls from people wanting support and organizations wanting to set up programs. And I got involved with research and development of Braille displays and, and speech output devices. And so it was sort of a part-time thing for me. But when I retired from IBM in 2012, it has become a full-time um, job. It's become a full-time effort and, and a, um, something that I really quite enjoy doing. And I found over the years that entrepreneurs and small businesses are really struggling to keep up with all the government um, um, regulations and keep up with all the technology that's going on. And that's why I like to work with entrepreneurs because, you know, they can't afford these really expensive uh, courses that companies offer in accessibility development and design. And I, I like to work with them one-on-one -on -one and become a partner and help them to understand what accessibility is because when it comes right down to it, it's not all that hard. It's just a matter of understanding and, first of all, determining what your goals are, what is your business value, build your culture, your brand, and then implement the needs of people into it. And accessibility is really just a measurement of productivity. Uh, far too often, um, we see um, um, courses and education webinars saying that accessibility is about accommodating disability people. It, it's not there anymore. It used to be. Today, accessibility is mainstream. Um, the iPhone is a good example of that. 20, um, in 2007, Apple came out with the iPhone and it was the very first product that ever came out with users in mind. 
I could go to a store, pick up the iPhone off the shelf and use it right away. I didn't have to load software or anything. And that's the main, that's what we're talking about mainstream. And I, I think what's really driving things now is artificial intelligence. And I find that, you know, as good as artificial intelligence is, it's still very primitive and entrepreneurs and small businesses have to really be careful about being uh, led down the path to think AI is going to solve a lot of their problems because um, far too often accessibility cannot be automated because it's a human need that you're, it's a user um, experience that you're trying to um, create. Your, your marketing brand really depends on your user experience. So you got to focus on what users want, not what the technology wants you to do. Right. Is, is there a simple way to state the business case for promoting uh, accessibility? The business case? Um, yeah, why well, should, why should a, case, an entrepreneur who's got 50 things on fire at the same time, why should they pay attention to it and embrace it? There is, um, I, I don't know what, what the current statistics are, but basically one out of five Canadians has a significant disability. And that's largely due to the aging population. So if you want to exclude one fifth of the market, then don't pay attention to accessibility. Secondly, search engines um, are very much geared toward understanding the objects on your web page and your communication. So if you do not design your websites with things that are um, programmably correct, like HTML, native HTML and, and other objects, search engines are not going to understand your website. And it's the same as me and my screen reader. If I cannot um, access a button on your website because I don't know what it is or it's a picture, search engines are going to do the same thing. Search engines cannot um, determine what's in your videos. So if you have captions, for example, search engines can get picked that captioning up and they can actually add... Um, you know, in, increase your rating because it can understand your, your videos and, and things like that. And pictures, alternate, if you put text image, uh, text description on your uh, images, search engines can find that. So the, the business case is building your brand. How much of the market do you really want? If you want maybe 60, 80% of the market, then forget about accessibility. If you want 100% of the market, Reach for the hard areas. Reach for the, the marginalized groups. Now, if you if you can reach the marginalized groups um, with regard to, you know, like a, a, uh, assistive technologies, then you get 100% of the market. So who, what business doesn't want 100% of the market? <laughs> That's a pretty darn good business case. All right. Uh, so this week on May 18th, we mark Global Accessibility Awareness Day. It's a day to disrupt the culture of technology and promote accessibility. Can you tell us more about Global Accessibility Awareness Day and how people engage with it and, you know, its larger mission? Yeah, um, you know, we, we, have, we have special days for almost everything these days. But um, Global Accessibility Day uh, was started more or less by accident. There was a fellow, Joe, who wrote a, an article about accessibility and then... Uh, fella out of Toronto, Jenison, um, 
read the article and jumped on it and contacted Joe and they together they said, you know, we really need to to make this more um, a highlight so that businesses can start understanding the accessibility needs. So the third Thursday of every May is Global Accessibility Awareness Day. And it's a day where um, anybody around the world, whether you're a small entrepreneur or a big company, you can um, uh, put on an event, whether a webinar, a podcast, or a conference, and you can list it on the page and it gets listed globally. Everybody gets to see what you're doing for that day and you can learn from each other. So the big thing, the big takeaway, I guess, for that is that if you go there, you can see what other people are doing. And it's a good opportunity to create partnerships because one of the one of the key things about entrepreneurs, I find, is that partnership is so important. It all depends on who your partners are and where they are. And if you want to uh, make your business accessible, you want to make your business profitable and productive, Accessibility is about productivity. It's about making employees and clients efficient, effective, and satisfied. So that's a good place to go if you want to make those contacts. Excellent. Um, and you were saying just before we got started, you were mentioning uh, that uh, on uh, on the 18th uh, Global Accessibility Day, you're doing a... a, a a presentation uh, in Windsor. Um, can you just tell us a little bit what, what's what's the message going to be? Yeah, um, I, I'm involved in working with uh, WeTech uh, down here in Southern Ontario, which is a entrepreneur association. And one of the focus points that we're looking at is diversity and getting uh, people to really, well, especially um, leadership to understand what diversity really is. Because as I said earlier, um, disability is, affects everybody. Um, it's not, it's not um, you know, in, in these groups, for example, I, I, I assume that Startup Canada has the same thing where you have indigenous groups, you have black entrepreneurs, you have, uh, you know, women entrepreneurs. Well. And you caught us out because our slogan is every entrepreneur. Yeah. And the thing about that is disability doesn't discriminate. So it's not a diversity. If I have a, a disability, you know, organizations, leaders are too quick to say we need to include disability. But it's not a diversity category because women have disabilities, Black people, um, seniors, young entrepreneurs, disability can affect anybody and everybody. So what we need to do is get leaders and entrepreneurs, inventors, innovators to understand that when they are developing something, an idea, that during the idea ideation phase, they need to um, connect with the community. And, and let me give you an example of that, because in the cities, most cities across Canada, we have audible signals. Uh, I can go to the corner, the intersection and press a button and the light will probably, you know, hopefully it'll start beeping so I can hear. However, the people, the city engineers that install it, in most cases did not get any training on accessibility. So they're not acoustic engineers. They're not 
um, mobility trainers for people with vision loss. So they go in, they stick this black box on the, on the pole. And I come along and I say, what good is it? I can't use it. They, I don't know. It's beeping. What, what does that mean? Can I cross left or right? Or do I go straight or the sound? I can't hear the sound because the traffic is too loud. You know, I can't, I can't hear what it's telling me is doing. So these are examples that, um, really should be right at the design level before, you know, you get to the implementation. We, we need to understand what is the human need when we implement this particular product or service and do it from the right at the design, implement it right in so that we understand what the need is and how we're going to solve that, that need. And again, are you seeing any progress in this or is it still really a work in progress. (laughs) I wish we could, I wish I could say, you know, we're we're making progress, but you know, the world is so chaotic today that I I think most of our, our business leaders and and government leaders are so stressed out that it's, it's pretty hard to, to focus on any particular thing, but I think we really have a challenge. And, And as I said earlier, the idea fund that has been, um, that, that is currently in process for Ontario is not accessible. So um, here again, they did not take the time before they uh, created the process, the policies for this fund to understand what is the entrepreneur's real need. And the entrepreneur business need is to meet the consumer and consumers are becoming much, much smarter today with the access to internet. They are becoming more demanding because they want um, they want ubiquitous access to devices. They want it right away. You know, they want wireless. We want cloud services because we want it right away. We want miniaturization. We want things that are small. I don't want to have to carry a big computer around with me. So consumers are becoming more and more, you know, uh, intelligent and smarter in asking and, and demanding their needs. So entrepreneurs need all the support they can get to understand what the government regulations are as far as accessibility and what the market needs are for their users, because it's all about users. And um, unfortunately, I I think the province, I don't know if you saw the report, uh, a report, the, the Ontario legislation, which we refer to as AODA, uh, Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act was uh, put into effect in 2005 and is supposed to be fully uh, inclusive by 2025. And we're so far from, from meeting that deadline. And really it's simply because the leadership in our government has not made um, project managers and, and ministers accountable to the AODA requirements. And until people have to, to take it into account, you know, we, we sort of take the the short road, the, the you know the quick way around things. You know, it, it's like seatbelts, you know, or, or smoking. You know, people didn't want to wear seatbelts, and but when the law came in, you know, people had to wear it. Otherwise, you're going to get a ticket. But unfortunately, with accessibility, there's no there's there's no um, accountability. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> But, but you have the potential to shift this conversation because you're positioning accessibility as a competitive advantage. 
do you have, I don't know, a, a, a story from the work you've done with businesses to illustrate how, how, how accommodation and accessibility becomes a, a competitive advantage? I, I would have to say that um, the work that I have done, I, I've done like website um, training for software developers and designers. And I have to say that there is improvement. And, and in, you know, the, the, as, you, as I say, the light bulb goes on when you explain things to, to people. And I've done work with organizations like D2L, who, who now has a much better inclusive strategy throughout the organization. I, I, you know, I've done work with other organizations and um, there, there's some colleges I've worked with. And when, when you explain what accessibility is, when you explain that it's not about technology, it's not about disability, it's about productivity, it's about innovation, it's about making people um, able to do what they want to do, uh, efficiency and, and satisfaction. So, so I, I have seen a lot of um, successes so far, but as I said, I, I really get concerned with the small uh, business in Canada because there's such little support out there and there's so much expected of them. Can you tell us about the design challenge? Yeah, design is extremely important. And as I said, if, if you're going to come up, if you've got a great idea, you know, as Lee Iacocca said, um, if you have a great idea, but you can't get it across, it's of no value to anybody. So the, you know, so, so you, it, what we talk about is design. And if you prepare yourself in the ideation phase, you can, the implementation of it will go much smoother. So, um, for example, you know, we have a lot of things, as I said today, that we use that really were intended for people with disabilities. For example, you know, Alexander Graham Bell created the phone for deaf people, and that's a that's a mainstream. Um, what's his name? Pellegrino Tierney invented the typewriter for a blind friend so he could write. So a lot of the, these things had um, roots in a human need in an, in a, so today, what I, what I would say is that if you're a designer and you're, and you're got a great idea, first of all, start off with the design principles. And the first design principle is what are the three tiers of development? One is, um, uh, performance, security, and accessibility. And quite often, like a stool, you pull the third leg out, it's going to fall. And quite often, security gets all the attention. Performance gets some attention. You know, people in rural areas need faster access. But accessibility is the least understood by um, business owners. And quite often, they leave it up to their IT team or they leave it up to their web developer, third-party developer to make all the decisions. And that's where the trouble starts because they don't understand what accessibility is. They don't understand your business needs and accessibility is something that, that is going to come back. And as they say, is going to come back and bite you in the end. The other thing that once you, once you get your design principles down and, and you know where you want to go with it, you got to consider the technical standards and the worldwide web consortium has 
uh, basically four components to the standard. One is perceivability. How well can someone perceive the content? And, and this is primarily talking about digital communications like websites. So if I, within a few seconds, and you probably know this yourself, that when you go to a website, if you can't understand what the website's all about, you just move on to something else. Secondly, secondly is operability. I come to a website and I say, oh, this looks great, but I can't operate it. I can't click the button or I can't uh, get the carousel to stop. That means it's not operable. It failed. And there are standards for operability. Third is understandability. How good can I understand? You know, in Canada, we have uh, a large population of immigrants, so it may be second language English. So how well is the content understood? Can, um, can I actually understand what, what the um, product is and service? And the fourth, which is the most um, difficult to achieve, is, op- is uh, robustness. So is your digital communication um, robust enough to work on different devices like laptops, computers, iPhones, tablets? Is it robust enough to work with multiple browsers, Google, Firefox, uh, um, whatever, and screen readers? Is it, it, can, it, can it be used by a different number of screen readers? And all these things have to interact with each other. So the interoperability is really important. And that's what the, the fourth group is. And the third part, which I always stress is, okay, you've got a website, you got all your text down, you know what the technology standards are, but how usable is it? Can I get my market, my, my customers to actually use it? And you know, they say the best marketing strategy is a happy customer. So <laughs> what you have to understand is uh, governments around the world have legislated um, disability and accessibility standards um, so that there's some certified, unified understanding. And there's four groups there. The first is um, dignity. Um, it, what we call, I call, information to knowledge. And knowledge is power. So if I can do something myself, if I can go on the website and get the information, I can actually understand it and gain knowledge, I got power. The second principle is about independence. And it's about making uh, things available to people. So it, 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 it's enabling. Okay, so the second principle is independence. And that's about accessibility to usability. And usability is enabling. So what you want to do is develop your policies, whether it's information communications or whether it's procurement or whether it's just uh, marketing processes, hiring processes, you have to make it so that it's usable and that's enabling. I can do it myself. I'm very independent. And that's what people like. They like to be independent. So the third part is integration and that's from passive to active. And that is inclusive. If you want to be inclusive, you got to integrate the integration component, passive to active. And a good example of that is quite often we have companies and government that will go to service organizations and talk about how can we include um, people with disabilities. So for example, they, you might go to CNIB and say, how can we include blind people? And they will give you all these ideas, but that's 
doesn't involve me as a citizen, as a direct customer to you. That's called passive integration. I want active. I want to be part of it. I want to say that I am an active part of society. So you can integrate me right into your marketing and, and sales program. Mm-hmm. And of course, the last one is equality. Chaos to stability. And stability is satisfaction. So we have situations where companies are struggling with technology to keep up with it. Managers are struggling to try and integrate accessibility. Everybody's under stress. But if you can create a a culture within the organization, and that's done through dialogue, design is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. So if you can do it through dialogue and you create stability, then you created a high level of satisfaction. And those are the four principles that basically uh, human rights around the world are based on. Wow. The four various uh, attributes that you just mentioned, where do they come from? Oh, these these are adopted by the United Nations. And, um, you know, every every country, every province will um, legislate its own flavor of it. But basically, the United Nations um, has implemented human rights policies, and they base them on dignity, independence, integration, and equality. Beautiful. Thank you for taking us down that path. There's a lot to think about. But that, but that's what makes your service, your product usable. And, and unfortunately, you know, with, with the busyness of the world, we never get past the technical standards to actually uh, implement these four principles. And tell us just a little bit about your business. Do you work just locally or do you work with uh, companies across the country? Yeah, I, I work with, um, well, globally, I guess, I, but mostly locally. Um, I have, well, since I retired in 2012, I, I, I sort of took this on because there was a need and it's, it's growing into... <laughs> full-time work. So I can't really say I'm retired anymore, but (laughs) I, I, you know, there's large organizations that I work with and I, and I provide website um, training on design and development. And I provide uh, web testing to, to, you know, make sure that it's working. So I, I work, I, as I said, I like to work with a small business because they have a, a greater need, um, because of the uh, the time and cost that they're faced with with so many things, so I um, have worked with a lot of small businesses and helping them to develop their website. You know, we live in a digital world. The virtual presence is so important, and I like to make sure that the website is accessible and usable because that is the key marketing tool for small business today, especially if you want to compete especially if you want to compete in a large global economy, you have to um, be better than someone else. So I um, have worked with the Ontario government. I've been on the, the standards committee for implementing AODA. I've worked with um, uh, well, a number of companies in Toronto. Angle. Um, I've worked with Wrangell. I've worked with the Canadian, um, College of Nurses of Ontario, uh, Panasonic, uh, and, and 
I've also worked with some groups in New Zealand and Australia, which is fascinating because they're so much further ahead than we are. Are they really? Why is that, do you think? Well, because I think leadership understands the importance of knowing what you don't know. Leadership there takes time to dialogue with managers that are managing programs and and funding and, and procurement. And so the legislation that gets passed is understood not only by the leaders, but management knows it and, and businesses know it, and they enforce it. it it's something that uh, gets done. Uh, unfortunately, here in Canada, we, we do a lot of talking, but little acting. So what, what do you think the difference is? Is it a lack of communication or a lack of enforcement? Or <laughs> I, Well, yeah, I would like to say it goes right back to the beginning of our podcast. It, it's a case of uh, willful blindness. Uh, we have far too many leaders in position today that are overrun with um, challenges and problems, and they they offload a lot of the stuff to management, and they don't take the time to understand the problems management has. And I think this is a big problem with the Ontario government. And I could probably go to the Minister of Education or something and ask him, what is your understanding of AODA? And I'm sure they would not have a clue what I'm talking about. Well, thank you for wrapping that up (laughs) with a neat bow. Um, And thank you for the work you're doing in in raising awareness of this and helping entrepreneurs and and large organizations as well uh, deal with this. We need a lot more people doing that. David, any last thoughts in terms of final words of wisdom or advice that you want to share with our audience? I guess the final words I have is that, you know, um, don't let the challenge of government regulations and the stress of technology um, overload you. Do what you think is right. I would say establish your culture, understand your values and goals, and create that culture so that everybody in your organization understands it and agrees. Create partnerships. I think partnerships for small business is extremely important. And just like hiring an accountant or a, a legal advisor, you need to hire an accessibility specialist, somebody that you can trust, somebody that understands not only the technical under the technical requirements, but they understand the end user. Um, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, allow me to talk to you, Rick, because I think Startup Canada is um, a great opportunity for entrepreneurs to to build their business in Canada. And I think. On, um, as Startup Canada learns more about accessibility and becomes, you know, the the go-to for small business, that um, Canada is going to become a much more prosperous country for everybody. You're right. It's all about the partnerships. So, so, so thank you. We've been speaking with David Best, entrepreneur and founder of Best Consulting in Windsor, Ontario. And don't forget to check out his podcast, Triple Vision wherever you get your podcasts. David, thanks so much.
Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles, and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence. <laughs>